Good morning and uh, happy Sabbath again. My name is Baldwin English, a junior first elder here at Tabernacle Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, we're doing things a little bit differently today. I have my family with me as we celebrate this communion service. So I'll just have them introduce themselves. Morgan, let me get that mic. So your mother, so this is my wife. Hello, I'm Shirley English. Son. And I'm Trey English. And I'm Morgan English. We know that you are at home right now, sitting down, probably similar to the way we are here. Uh, we set up a little living room setting so we can experience this service the same way or similar to the way that you have. So these last two weeks have been particularly trying weeks in an already trying year. In January, the first COVID-19 cases were reported here in the U.S. In February, Ahmaud Arbery lost his life at the hands of vigilante murderers in Georgia. In March, we began the lockdown of the U.S. in order to flatten the curve of the coronavirus. In April, in Austin, Texas, Michael Ramos, a Latino brother who lived in Austin, was shot and killed by officers. Officers later admitted that he did not have a gun. In May, Amy Cooper used race as a basis to lie and place Kristen Cooper in harm's way. And on Thursday this past week, the memorial service for George Floyd took place after his death on Memorial Day, May 25th. Since his death, protests have gripped this nation. Demonstrations have taken place in every state in the Union. Indeed, people in cities all over the world have heard the cry, Black Lives Matter, ringing in the streets. It's been a rough year, family. And I don't know about you, but the death of George Floyd impacted me like few other tragedies have. Many people attribute the ultimate cause of his death, the indifference to whether he lived or died at the hands of that officer, to racism. Now, racism is not new. It's, it's not a novel school of thought that has recently reared its ugly head. No, racism has been around since the beginning of time. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. It reads, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. The devil responded, you will not certainly die for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Amy Cooper used Christian Cooper's race as a basis for a lie that placed him in harm's way. Similarly, the Lucifer used Eve's race, the human race, as a basis for a lie that placed her in line not just for harm, but for death. It's written in Romans 5, Verse 12, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned. 
We should all agree that the devil hates the human race. The devil has been hating the human race since the very first ones walked this earth. And when someone hates a race of people, what does that make them? Yes, I believe it makes them a racist. In reality, his hatred towards us was planted before he even landed on earth. Revelation chapter 12 details the war in heaven between Michael and his angels and Lucifer and the angels he was able to corrupt. In verse 12, the warning is given to the inhabitants of the earth, the entire race of humans, that the devil is mad at us. In verse 17, it shows that his anger is even more targeted to those who keep the commandments of God. Hmm. A man attended a protest recently to challenge the protesters. He was found to have several dozen guns and weapons with him. He came loaded. The devil also utilizes a lot of tools to enact his hate against the human race. In Galatians 5, we read that the works of the flesh, like sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, and hatred, I'll stop there, these tools are deployed and re relied upon the devil to help him complete his mission to destroy the human race. This tool of hatred is special because it uses one person to fight his battle against another member of the human race. <laughs> Can you imagine being at war and deploying a weapon that pits members of your opposing army against each other? It's brilliant, if you ask me. When you engage in this thought process or these actions of hatred against someone just based on the color of their skin, you are fighting the devil's battle for him. You're committing homicide against your own race, the human race. But despite the pain we feel, the losses we have taken at the hands of the devil, in the end, we know that we win. We win, church. It doesn't feel like that today, I know, but we do win. You see, because we have a, a not-so-secret weapon, and the reason why we are here today is to connect with him. This ordinance that we take part in every quarter serves as a reminder that the hurt and pain of this world is not our final resting place. There is hope, and that hope comes in the form of Jesus. For us to fully understand the meaning of the Lord's Supper, it's helpful to keep in mind the purpose of the Passover from which it is derived and what Jesus and his disciples were celebrating when they sat down for what we call the Last Supper. You will recall that God delivered the Israelites from Egypt with 10 plagues. The final plague, the one that ushered in an era of freedom for the Israelites, involved the Lord slaying the firstborn child in each Egyptian family. Here's how Moses explained it to the people in Exodus chapter 11. He wrote, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the slave girl who is at her hand mill and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. The only way the Israelites could avoid this horrible hue from happening to their own children was to kill a lamb. 
and spread its blood over the doorframe. God said, the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Hence, over. no destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. The sacrifice of the lamb brought salvation and foreshadowed another deliverance from slavery to sin that would occur 1,500 years later when Jesus died on the cross. So Jesus, through the shedding of his blood on that wooden cross, hearkening back to the door frames of ancient Israel, illustrated his act of delivering us from the power and consequences of our failures and our selfishness. Jesus' death removes us from the path of God's wrath and ushers us into a new life of freedom. Jesus' death on the cross is the ultimate realization of what the Old Testament lamb that was sacrificed represented. The Lord's Supper represents through the symbols of the broken bread and the red wine. Christians call this meal the Lord's Supper. Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, the emblems communicate to us the sacrifice that our God has made for us. Now, many of our church family members have uh, received this, uh, this communion bread and wine, if you mind passing this to Morgan. And we're going to enter into this part of our service. I'd like to show you, uh, for those of you that are, at, that are at home, this contains both the bread on top and the wine, the grape juice on the bottom. There is a little plastic tab on top that is clear. And when you pull back on that clear tab, it will expose the bread. And once we're done with that, you can lift up the purple tab underneath and lift that one up and you'll be able to partake of the, of the, of the juice. So at this time, uh, we will pray for the bread. Father God, we are grateful for the sacrifice that you made by allowing your son to die on the cross for our sins. And though we are unworthy, though we have not lived up to the mark that you have set for us, Father God, we still claim hold on this promise and this sacrifice that was made for us. We are grateful for that sacrifice that gives us an opportunity to be saved. As we partake of this bread, Father, we ask that it will bless us, not necessarily in the physical, but in the spiritual, that we will never forget what you've done for us. In Jesus' most holy name, amen. It says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat, this is my body. Let us now partake. Ready? It's okay. It's a little tough here. We'll get to it. Okay. I will pray for the wine. 
Father God, this wine represents the blood that was shed for all of our sins. You've died for those that even persecuted, persecuted you, Father God. You died for David, who was a murderer. You died for, uh, you died for Samson. You died for uh, Paul, who also was a murderer, Father God. And if you died for them, and if your blood is sufficient for them, certainly your blood is sufficient for us today. So we ask this blood, that as we drink this wine, it represents your blood, that it will not be done for form or fashion, but that we will truly recognize that your blood is sufficient for our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us partake of the wine. Be careful, don't spill it now. Ready? And the verse that is associated with that, it says, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Well, we're done today. I hope that this was as meaningful for you as it was for us. I hope that this experience today helps to solidify in you the sacrifice that was made on the cross for your sins the sacrifice that was made for my sins. Let us pray. Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to take part in this tradition as you have commanded in your word to do this in remembrance of you. I pray that we will never forget the sacrifice that was made for our sins. I pray that we will never forget the, 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 the pain and the, and the discomfort that you went through so many years ago to save a wretch like me. So, Father, today we claim your sacrifice as victory over our sins, and we pray that it has not been done in vain, but that when you come again, and Father, I believe that your coming again is soon, but that when you come again, we all may have an opportunity to be drawn up into heaven, to reign with you forever. This is our prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We are, thank you for celebrating with our online worship experience. We pray that you were blessed. As a quick reminder, we do have our special afternoon program today at 6 p.m., and we'd like for you to join us there. Wednesday night prayer meeting is always at 7.30 p.m., and we encourage you to continue calling and praying for one another as we navigate these unique times as a church family. So family, we love you. We miss you. We pray that you are all safe and healthy. Have a blessed week, family.